like they put us through this amazing program and it gave me like you know a blueprint of everything that i needed to do to be successful in sales like for how to find the prospects how to overcome my mental barriers what kind of question to ask how to you know how to do the discovery meetings and to invitation for closing and a follow up and all these things and i was like this is exactly what i needed to do so i started following that stuff like a bible like every day i was reading it and studying it and in no time, I'm honestly, I'm telling Christina, like it was a hockey stick in my performance. That was Donald Kelly. You may have heard of him before. He hosts a very popular podcast called The Sales Evangelist. And you will hear us talk about the mistakes people make in sales. He is going to break down five ways that you can double your revenue. And this is important regardless of your business size. If you are not making sales, you do not have a business. You have a hobby. So this is something every single business owner should listen to. If you have a side hustle and you want to take that side hustle full time, then you need this episode. So not only does Donald have a podcast, he also has a book coming out. And he doesn't talk about this on this podcast, but I want to make sure that you have the resources in case you want to check that out. Visit his website at thesalesevangelist.com for more on his book. I will also link to it in the show notes for this episode. And I'm going to link to a lot. And I'm going to share a lot in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you check that out wherever you are listening to this podcast podcast episode. And let me remind you, if you have not already, please tap that subscribe button. We have some great interviews coming up. I don't want you to miss any of them. And if you have a friend in business who is looking to grow, please share this episode with a friend. Copy this link and send it their way. I would be very grateful. I know Donald would also be very grateful. And let's get to it. Here is my interview with Mr. Donald Kelly. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, a news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Donald, welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, I'm, I am like thrilled. You know, this is like Christmas time and you know, you're, you're here and you, you get all stoked. You, we wait the whole year for the, that one time of the year and it's kind of like this is that, that climax now towards leading up to my Christmas that I get a chance to be on your show at the end of the year. <laughs> and I'm excited. I brought my red pen too, so. <laughs> You are giving me way too much credit here. (laughs) I I was telling you that I'm super excited to chat with you about this topic of sales because it's something that in the last couple of years I have tried to tried to execute in my business and I haven't been doing it right. I haven't been I shouldn't even blame not finding the right people because I've learned in the last few months that I haven't been setting them up for success. So I'm going to chat with you because you are the sales evangelist. Like that is the name of your podcast. That's the name of your, your Facebook group. You do so much to help people excel in sales. So before we get into like some amazing questions and really get into how people can not only double their revenue with an effective sales process, but also how to train salespeople to sell as well as you, the owner does. Talk to me quickly about what you do now, because 
you struggled with sales back in the day and then you became a top performing seller and you teach others how to do the same thing. So break that down real quick. Yeah, I was a, thanks again for that. I was a software sales rep. I had done a lot of business to consumer sales where I was selling to like, uh, you know, dish network, door to door security stuff. I mean, I was even a server, um, did get people, help people get the timeshare uh, presentations, all of those things. And it was good. Then I evolved and came into the B2B side where I'm reaching out to these companies and it was a whole different world. Um, and what happened was I literally almost like, felt like I fell on my face. I graduated from college. I was making, uh, supposed to be making money. I got my, you know, that first job, I, I left my mom's apartment and I was on my own. But then quickly I started borrowing, calling my mom to borrow money. And I was like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I went to college for goodness sakes. I need to be, you know, providing a way to help her because she was a single parent, like just, you know, hustling, making, trying to help us get by. Um, and I felt like this huge failure. Then I went through, fortunately, they went through some training and the company that I went with, it uh, like they put us through this, this amazing program and it gave me like you know a blueprint of everything that i needed to do to be successful in sales like for how to find the prospects how to overcome my mental barriers what kind of question to ask how to you know how to do the discovery meetings and to invitation to, for closing and a follow-up and all these things and i was like this is exactly what i needed to do so i started following that stuff like a bible like every day i was reading it and studying it and in no time, I'm honestly, I'm telling you, Christina, like it was a hockey stick in my performance. And it wasn't because like, again, I became this like amazing rock star seller. It's just that there was a process. And it was clearly outlined and what I should be doing. And I was able to follow the best practice as opposed to trying to hack my way through the forest, so to speak. And it just led me towards starting a podcast where I started to tell other people about what I saw working. Like sales is not complicated if you follow the formula. And then I just kept, I got coaching clients and speaking opportunities and went to all the way to in 2015, where it made sense for me to leave my full-time gig. And then I started running sales evangelists. And now we do consulting where we help teams and we'll also do cohorts. So teams will put their individual sellers through our programs, um, different programs, and they go through a cohort method. And after that, they can get some one-on-one -on -one coaching to solidify what they've learned and and um, then do consultancy where, like I mentioned, we work with teams and uh, help them with their special projects or whatnot. So that's what I do now. And that's how it started and led to where I'm at. And it is so needed. I remember when I first started my business back in, it would have been 2015. And I said, I hate the sales process. I just want to do like the servicing. I like the marketing. I just want to do the servicing. But the truth is you don't have a business if you're not making sales. Like whether you, I don't care how much you hate it, you have to make sales or you have a hobby. You don't have a business. And I remember telling my first business coach, I hated sales. And she said, you hate it because you're not good at it. Once you get good at it, you'll like it a little bit more. And that's so true. It's so true. Now, something you you talk about is businesses having a hard time creating a repeatable sales process. There's nothing consistent. So why do you think that is? I'm going to speak from my, my experience side of it, and uh, maybe you can validate it for me. As the owner and as the, the, like the business, the, the, the entrepreneur, you are the epicenter of the organization. You're the rock star. You're the, the cheerleader. You're the person that is, that's going to, you know, get out there and make things happen for your business. And it comes naturally in some ways because of your enthusiasm for the belief and the fact that you know your stuff works. And that's exactly what happened 
with me or it happened with me. And then what typically happens though is because of that, we as the business owner, we assume that everyone should know how to do it because it's not complicated. You're just really excited. I'm excited for sales. I'm excited because I've helped coach individuals and walk them through the process and help them to make the discovery and make them to you know make breakthroughs and to see amazing success. So I think everyone really knows that already. But when they come into the organization, without that process, I didn't even follow process. I just did what I knew from instinct. And because I'm the one that's running things, I can you know, mend and do all kinds of processes that I feel uh, is, is okay. But I never formalize those processes or formulate those processes. And because of that, it becomes that you know a company, when an entrepreneur like you and me becomes successful, quote unquote, and we're making more money and getting more opportunities, the business starts to get a, like legs and feet of its own. And we bring people on and those people, they just start to sell according to what they felt they should be doing because there wasn't that direction that gave them. So without that process, and this is why it happens where, you know, maybe you have two, three, four salespeople at one point now, and then they all sell their own different way and follow their own path. And because they don't have that guidance or that, that exact process, it's like, yeah, they're closing deals. They're bringing people in. But imagine if it was systematized, if they had that process, if they had knew exactly what you do. And I had to take a step back and do that first on my side before I can help others. So I started looking at, okay, so Donald, let's evaluate. How do you find customers? And for me, LinkedIn was a huge part. So I was like, okay, let's formulate that. And then from there, we started breaking down like, okay, what are the, what's kind of emails works best? And what are some of the things that I sent? So I started taking some of those things and started using that. And what does my discovery meeting look like and so forth? And as I did this internally for myself, it made it super easy for me to help other people. And I don't know, like it, it just kind of helped me to, once I could start taking the time to just identify what I did to be successful, I was able to introduce that to the team and the team helped to evolve it because then they say, you know, we could try to do this differently. We should do this instead, Donald, and, and go from, you know, try different processes or, or tweak the different processes. And because that collaborative, collaborative uh, method or mentality came about, we were able to see a little bit more success than I did on my own. Um, that was a long answer. Hopefully I tackled it there. But the biggest piece I see why people struggle with those processes or why companies struggle to be able to get those things take, taken off is because we as the leaders, we we know how to do it. But unfortunately, they all don't necessarily know how to do it like we do. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I've had a couple of people on the podcast before talking about SOPs, standard mm. operating procedures. And it's all about getting it out of your head and putting it in a place, whether that be in a project management software like Monday, putting it in Google Drive, creating videos, like you have to be able to tell the people around you what is happening in your head and how yeah. you can, you know, they can do what you're doing. Now, you mentioned working with other people, bringing on salespeople and then collaborating with them. But I mean, I can speak from present experience. I am, I've, trying to find some salespeople to help me execute these processes that I am currently putting in place. How do you find the right people? Because it is hard to find good people. It is absolutely challenging. And right now, it's probably the most difficult time to find people as a business owner. As the sales professional, it is like the most amazing time to find opportunities because everyone is looking for uh, salespeople. Like I, even the first time in my podcast history, 
I've had two companies inquired about putting spots on our podcast solely for the purpose of um, advertising jobs as opposed to buy the software that they're trying to sell to salespeople. And it was it blew my mind. And it comes back down to the fact that it's just even people with recruiters or, or, or whatnot, it's just so hard to find good talent. The easiest way, and I know you've, you know, we've communicated with this a little bit and I've reached out to a couple of people in my network and there's one person I, I think maybe a, a good fit. I'm going to introduce you to him as well. Um, but one, that's one of the easiest ways that I'm seeing right now is just to, it, it well, not the easiest. One of the best ways is to leverage the community, leverage your network, uh, finding, uh, finding people. The other part, if you go straight up on the job boards, it's, it's difficult right now. Like most salespeople who are selling like enterprise sellers, um, you know, they're, they're looking for jobs. Jobs are offering, you know, start off base of six figure, like, you know, 100 plus or 120 plus OTE on time uh, on on target earnings. So you're looking at, you know, gen- person looking to get or generate like $200,000 a year. And it's really hard to compete with that. I had this one, uh, I was on a, um, hosted a panel recently and one of the ladies, she is a, uh, a consultant and she said that they, they brought somebody on and this person was starting and was going about doing you know first couple of weeks, but then another competitor, like a big company hit them up and Adobe I think it was at the time and said, Hey, come work with us. And they said, we'll take care of your, uh, your graduate degree because he was trying to go back to school and it's kind of stuff like that. So it's really competitive. However, is it possible to find them? Yeah. I think it's just digging through the network and it's just a little more challenging to find those right people um, uh, right now. But that's the easiest way that I've seen um, is, is just going back through the network and the old school grit from that standpoint. And then how do you train them? So they sell, cause I mean, everybody says, you know, like you're the owner, you're the best seller. And a lot of businesses, you know, they start like that. The owner is the one selling everything, but how do you train them in a way you almost have to like transfer your knowledge, your experience and your passion to them? How do you do that? Yeah. So I'll give you, I'll tell you exactly what we do. And then hopefully that can, you know, feel free. You guys can take this and run with it. Um, what I, I, the first thing I do my, my first meeting, I'm sure you do this is I set the vision for them. I, I, I want to sell them on a vision and a culture of TSC first. Once I could sell them on that, like, you know, that we're, what we're trying to do, how we're trying to be the, the epicenter, the place online, everyone comes to, to learn sales. Like when somebody think about joining a sales team or hiring new salespeople, they think about TSC, we run synopsis. I guess that's a synonym for us. And uh, I, I sell that vision for to them first. After we get to that level, um, as we have them come into the organization, we tend to, we have that, um, I take time for that week to be a part of that training process with them, like that onboarding, so to speak. I have team members that can assist, but I'm actively there. We do have a process in place. We have a program that we, a sales foundation program that we offer, and we give that to all of our, that's where one of our flagship programs but we also have all of our team members go through that and we have them drink our own Kool-Aid, so to speak. So they're going through our program, getting the training, as well as participating with the groups in the cohorts. So they're learning from that standpoint. And they also have a coach or excuse me, or a mentor internally. So someone inside the organization, whether it's somebody that's currently selling, well, before it was me being that mentor until I hired someone. So that person is able to then be that mentor and guide them 
to that throughout their learning. Um, and they're, they're, we help them to just kind of dissect one thing at a time. So like, you know, first week, this is what you're doing. Second, uh, first day, this is what you're doing. Second day, this is what you're doing. And I just tell them, I apply in my mind that I'm not going to get much money from this person for like two to three months because of the ramp time and getting them up to speed. And also because we're dealing with those sales cycles that are a little bit longer. So in my mind, I'm prepping financially for that. And in order to be able to, you know, say I'm going to invest that, you know, that money for three months into this individual, I got to make sure they're the right person. So I, I tend to try to fire, the, I try to disqualify them even when I get them from the very get-go as much as possible. And once they can make it through those, you know, the interviews and through the visions, you know, and, and see where we are and come into the first week, by that point, they've gone through a, a little bit of the rigor. So we know that they're good to go, um, especially if they're come from a trusted source. And as we're doing that, that, um, that, you know, they have the mentor, they're going through the training programs, they get a chance to meet with me, I follow up with them. We have KPIs that we want them to follow, at least for the first, you know, that they, we know they're not going to probably hit all the KPIs right away, but they, we can see how they're doing, we can measure their performance with all of those things in place that helps us to be able to get a good guidance for that individual and, to, you know, and help them to stay on a, a proper path. And I'm planning that for like the first two weeks or so is, is that kind of like that handholding, that guiding and um, working with internal team members so that they can get the, the best result. And they go through our program, our own program for six weeks, just like any of our clients would. So I am building, taking whatever knowledge and experience they have, adding onto that and molding according to the TSE way so that now we, we are helping to... Um, I guess, to indoctrinate them on how we execute and how we do things. So the biggest components there, one, having internal uh, a process down internally, two, having the mentors, and then three, doing that continual one-on-one and giving them the KPIs, the measurable tracking so that they can see their own performance and then also how it can, we can see their performance as well. And that way we can help them to course correct to get up to speed. Um, as much as possible. That was a mouthful there, Christina. (laughs) No, but that was good. And that leads me to point number four, because Mm -hmm. I know measuring the success of salespeople is so important. Talk to me about the tools and technology that you will need to keep everything organized, keep everything in place and measure things like KPIs. For a small business, I recommend, I mean, you could start off just using an Excel doc but I, you know, there's tools like if you're a small business, I recommend you check out HubSpot. I'm not getting any money from HubSpot. I, I, I like them. I've used them. I've used HubSpot for a while, and now I use a tool called um, Pipeline Deals, and that's because we have a little bit more complexity in our CRM process. I'm still not Salesforce level yet. Salesforce is just big old beast, and I, I like something a little bit simpler. So I, I love Pipeline Deals. I've used HubSpot. And Pipedrive is also another great one. All of those CRMs have give you the basic functionality to be able to set up a process as well as to be able to have the different KPIs, the ones that we measure internally. Like you have folks that might are really big and heavy on the activities base. So if I'm activities based, like, you know, how many phone calls you make, how many emails you send, how many, um, you know, LinkedIn messages you, you, you send, like those are uh, activities and they're great. And then you have people who do the other side where it's like the outcome. And I've done that as well, where it's like, you know, forget about, I don't care how many phone calls you make. I want to see how many appointments you generate, how many discovery appointments you have, how many demos you do, how many deals you close. Those are the outcome. 
And then I realized, though, after you know doing both, like it's there's pros and cons. If you focus just on activity, you can always game the system and just salespeople can figure out just to do a bunch of different random activities, make a bunch of phone calls. But was it really effective? And if you focus just on the outcome, sometimes it's like gets depressing to see like, oh, you want I need to get five sales today this week, and it's like holy crap, like I don't even have an appointment yet, and it kind of kills them before it kills the momentum before you even get started. We focus on what we call like meaningful activities. So we have we measure meaningful activities, meaningful conversations, and then obviously the outcome from those. So a meaningful activity is I you know salespeople can do a bunch of stuff to say that we're productive or we're effective, but we like to ask ourselves, was that a meaningful activity? Is that something that our ideal a pl- that I use a platform that our ideal customer will be on? Like say if it's LinkedIn, like Facebook is good and we have people that engage there, but it's not our number one place where we get people from. So we don't focus a lot on prospecting per se on link on Facebook. We have like uh, phone calls. We know effective phone calls work for us. Effective emails work for us. And then also we use the snail mail. So those are some of our meaningful activities. So activity, if you say, you know go to a grocery store and you contacted someone, you know somebody just asked you about, you know, I saw your shirt, TSC Studios. What is that like? Was that really a meaningful activity? Like, no, not necessarily, because I was just getting a sandwich at Publix. Doesn't necessarily mean that was my prospecting method. We want to focus on the activities that are the right. And I made the mistake where I worked for companies and they didn't know what their meaningful activities were, the best ways to get their ideal customers. So they sent us to like networking events. They sent us to go, you know, why am I going to like a, you know, a chamber of commerce meetings with like plumbers and lawyers when I'm trying to close like a large enterprise organization? It just wasn't making sense. It wasn't a meaningful activity. So focusing on meaningful activities, number two, meaningful conversations. And when I mean by meaningful in the sense, like somebody might call into an organization, get in touch with like a somebody at front desk and a front desk person says, you know, Christina's not here. That doesn't, that's not meaningful. You did have a conversation, but that's a meaningful. However, if I spoke to the person at front desk and said, Christina's not here right now, and then I was able to get more intel. Do you mind telling me if she's the best person to talk to about sales training and when she might be in? Yeah, she's not the best person. You need to speak with Joey. He's the VP of operations and oversees sales. And you know the best time to reach him is in the afternoons, You know, typically around three o'clock um, and, you, and verify the email address. Now I got information that's going to help to move the deal forward. That was meaningful. So we str- and we stress this with our salespeople, so they're not just making a phone call and getting an activity, but they're making a phone call to get intel to help us move the deal forward. So we start tracking these meaningful conversations because I can't tell a salesperson, you know, just get up and turn on the faucet and get deals, but I can tell a salesperson get up and go out and do these activities, and that's what's measurable. They could measure how many phone calls they make, they can measure how many emails they send that are meaningful. And then from there, it's one step further having that meaningful dialogue. And if they can do those two, generally they start getting those appointments and the outcomes start to come from that. So that's what we do to measure our numbers internally, where it's a combination of the outcome and the activity base. And I totally agree with you because I hate it when people are like, oh yeah, make, and that's why, why, you know, people struggle with KPIs. It's like make a hundred calls. Okay. Well, what if you talk to nobody? And then what if you make 10 and you talk to everybody? So it's, it's super important that you track what is meaningful and what's not. Now let's end with mistakes because there's a lot of mistakes. I mean, specifically on LinkedIn, I hate, I'll start you off with mistakes. I hate it when I connect with somebody And five minutes later, I get a freaking novel of I don't even know what. 
And it's like, what are you trying to sell me? How do you even know I want this? How do you know? I, like, it's just beyond. Yeah. Hopefully my listeners are not doing that, <laughs> but please let me know what common mistakes that maybe people don't think it's a mistake that they should maybe stop doing right now. I like to think about it like this. Like, so I, I brought up networking event earlier and obviously some networking events are, are great. I look at it like if I'm going to talk to another human being in person and I see them at, you know, I, I strike up a conversation with somebody at, you know, go back to the grocery store. Um, big shout out to Publix, right? We're not advertising for Publix here. Let's say, let's say we're at Whole Foods. We're evolving. <laughs> we're at uh, Whole Foods and, you know, we start talking to someone um, and I just, you know, say, hey, man, I love those shoes. Like, oh, cool. Very nice. I'm not going to say to the next person to them once they say, thank you. I'm not going to say, hey, by the way, I run this organization and we have this many programs and I would love to sell, have you purchase one of them. Would you like to set up a 30-minute meeting to talk about that? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense at all. In no way in any, any, like, any world, it seems like that makes sense to have a conversation like that. But when we get on social media, we feel that that's perfectly acceptable. It's like saying, hi, I want to connect with you. Hey, nice to meet you. By the way, I would love to set up a 30 minutes meeting with you to tell you all about my company and how we can help you grow. Like that doesn't make sense. So what I try to do is think about it from a conversational standpoint. I'm listening to a book right now and it's called The Billionaire Secret. Um, I saw that Sarah Barkley entered the billionaire club and I'm like, man, I want to get there. Forget about millionaire. I want to get to the billionaire club now. And I started listening to the book. And one of the things that the author, uh, when he interviewed some of these billionaires, they all pointed out, stop trying to make sales with large companies but make sales with the individual in the large company. It's more make that conversation. So instead of me looking and say, I want to, I want to build a, a I want to get, uh, get Google as a client. Screw that. Let me go ahead and connect with an individual, connect with an individual at Google and build a relationship. And once I can build that one-to-one hum- -one relationship and have conversation, it does naturally lead to opportunities. And it's the same way that we've seen on LinkedIn. But sometimes when we get on LinkedIn, I think we just get, we throw all human interaction out the window and we go into this like avatar salesperson spammer mode. So in our case, what we do, we send a, a simple LinkedIn connection request to a prospect. We build a list of people that we know are ideal customers, the industries. So we'll send something to you like Christina and say, hey, Christina, this is Donald. Um, uh, you know, hey, Christina, it's an honor. I almost always looking to connect with business owners doing amazing things here on LinkedIn, permission to connect ask that question, you will probably say, yeah, sure, thanks. And we connect and I will then respond and say, hey, appreciate it, happy, um, let's say Tuesday. I hope you have a great day. Um, or if there's something, comment, like love the title, the Maven, appreciate um, appreciate your, you know, some of your posts, good luck and nice to connect with you. But I'm chatting with you as a human being. Now we do have that as a part of our process. So maybe like in a couple of, you know, days or a few days, I may then, you know, reach out via your email and try to talk to you there because I've made that connection already. I might say, hey, Christina, we connected on LinkedIn. I looked over your business. I had a thought and I make it like conversational. And then you can respond, you know, yeah, I'm open to that thought now. The reason is because it, it increases the chance of the email getting open if I've made a connection with you on a different platform on LinkedIn. We call it a point of reference, having some kind of point of reference that you can then utilize, you're now no longer a stranger to that prospect. And that leads to uh, you responding, at least, yeah, I'm, Donald, I'm open to hearing what you're sharing, you're saying. And then I can have, you know, give you my quote unquote pitch or the, the challenge that I see and how I feel that it could potentially help based on intel that I've received. Hypothetically, in some cases, we're talking to those 
team members to end users on those in those organizations who is telling us information about challenges. Maybe it's about sales, a salesperson talking about challenges they're facing with sales. So then I can bring that up with the VP of sale or the, you know, the sales director or manager. And that now makes that conversation really meaningful for them as well as meaningful for me. And they might say, yeah, Donald, it's something we know is a challenge. Right now, it's not a good time for us because X, Y, Z. I now have a connection that I can then lead to, but it all started from a genuine conversation or a connection on LinkedIn. Um, and I think sometimes we skip past that, that genuine connection side and just trying to go straight to, I want to get the appointment. There's a lot that happens in between those two. Um, but that's in a nutshell, kind of like our little introduction segue. And we interact with people's uh, information. I'll give you really quick another one. And this is a low-hanging fruit for many of us on LinkedIn, and we don't do it. But LinkedIn shows you if people viewed your profile. So I go ahead, and I did this the other day. Someone viewed my profile, and I I just you know straight up call them. You know, you kind of call them out. Be like. I sent them a personal message. Be like, you know, hey, uh, his name is Jared. Jared, I saw that you looked at my profile. I looked at your profile and I was like, dude, looks like somebody is a cool person for me to know. Um, permission to connect and get to know you? And he responded and said, yes. And it turns out that he was looking at my profile because he saw that he there he, he competes with this other co-working spot in St. Louis where we hosted this event. And um, long, long story short, we paid $500 for hosting an event there. And at his company, he's like, hey, we would love to have you come to our event at uh, come host in a, uh, a next St. Louis event at our location at no cost. Um, and all came from me just interacting with somebody who looked at my profile. And voila, think about how many prospects you have are looking at your profile, but you don't know how to re- respond to them or reach out to them. That's a genuine way of doing so. Um, and it will lead to the appointment and lead to the conversation. And all became, it, it all was a human conversation. I just was me. I just said, you know, I saw I looked at you looked at my profile. I looked at your profile. Looked like somebody cool for me to know, and had a good chat. And now there's an opportunity there. So I love that people just need to pump their brakes and be a little bit more strategic. So hundred percent. We went through five ways to double your revenue with an effective sales process. One, create that solid process for others to follow. Two, build a team. Don't forget to check your network for good people. Three, sell those people on the vision so they can sell as good as you do. Four, use the tools and technology that work for you and your business side and um, your business size. And five, avoid common mistakes. You mentioned a few specifically on LinkedIn. Donald, is there anything else you want to add that I should have asked before we say goodbye? Um, You know, I think we did cover a whole bunch today you can leave with. The biggest thing that I would probably share for a, a small business owner, or if it's an individual who's you know thinking about selling, like people will, people will be gravitated towards you and your brand based on the confidence that you give. And if you don't believe that you can solve the person's problem, if you don't believe that you have a, a, a valid solution, what in the world, like what makes you think that they're going to automatically want to part with their good, you know, their, their hard hurting cash to give that to you. It requires us to be able to share that belief, to drink our own Kool-Aid. Um, and if you're a salesperson going into an organization and you're trying to figure out how you can get that, I would say, talk to the CEO, the business owner, get their vision. The second best thing is go to the customers, listen to some of the customers' testimonials and hear what they have to say and build up your belief and your hype and your vision and your conviction for that product or that service. And when you have that conviction, it helps tremendously. Is that the only thing? No. But when you have a process with that conviction, man, it makes amazing results. 
I love that. Thank you, Donald. People can find you. you on Facebook at Donald Kelly, everywhere else on social media and LinkedIn. You're at Donald C. Kelly, and they should go and listen to your podcast for even more. The Sales Evangelist is what it is called. Thank you so much, Donald. You're amazing. Hey, thank you so much, for Chris- Christina, for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can check out Donald at thesalesevangelist.com, and you can also find him on social media at Donald C. Kelly. On Facebook, it's just Donald Kelly. And if you don't already follow me on social media, I am Christina All Day Everywhere, except on Facebook. I am Christina Nicholson, and I look forward to connecting with you there. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, podcast episode ideas, Hit me up and let me know.